Well, so without any further ado, I would like to introduce the ladies of Every Lady Needs a Hobby, a Miss Fisher Murder Mysteries podcast. <laughs> Every lady needs a hobby. A Miss Fisher's murder mystery podcast. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Genevieve. And, and this week, this week I need to mute my computer. Um, we are live from Miss Fisher Con. <laughs> so thank you, everyone who's here at Miss Fisher Con, and thank you in advance to everyone who's going to listen to this on the internet. Um, <laughs> We are recording this session, so all your cheering and responses to our listener poll, verbal responses, will be recorded for posterity. Yes, yeah, so don't say anything that you don't want to go down permanently. In the record. <laughs> uh, so for those of you that aren't familiar with our podcast, um, we do episode-by-episode episode recaps of Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries, and also we have done three out of four episodes of Miss Fisher's Modern Murder Mysteries. Um, and we obviously are going to cover the movie as well. Um, and so one thing that we, that we do that we're incorporating to the session is we like to do a roundup after every episode where we discuss what our favorite costume was, who had the best week, what we thought about the murder method, and then, of course, the sexual tension. <laughs> our favorite rating to do. We do have an actual device that we use to measure the sexual tension in each episode. Um, we didn't bring it today, unfortunately. It is in the shop for repairs, but it is an actual device. <laughs> It's a delicate device. <laughs> um, so today for our, our episode from Ms. FisherCon, we're not doing our typical format of reviewing one episode, but we are um, going to reveal the responses to our listener poll. So thank you to everyone. Um, we had a lot of responses to the poll, over 100. So thank you to everyone here who responded and on the internet. Um, so we'll go over that. We will um, have some Miss Fisher trivia. So there's a chance for all of you to get involved in that. And there are prizes, not just glory. Yes, <laughs> but mostly the glory. Um, and we're also going to be doing a Q&A at the end with Lynn Reed, who's joining us um, as an associate producer um, for Miss Fisher and the Pimps of Tears. And I almost forgot, if you are a new listener to the podcast, which I hope you all will be, you can find us uh, at everyladyneedsahobby.com, um, and also we're, wherever podcasts are found. So iTunes, you can listen on Spotify, Stitcher. Mm -hmm. If you're not sure, ask us. Yeah. So first, before we jump into the listener poll, Mackenzie, uh, what, what have you thought of Miss FisherCon so far? Well, um, I loved it. I'm having <laughs> a really great time. <laughs> um, yeah, we've had some great sessions. Um, I, we just heard one about poisons, which as an avid Agatha Christie reader, I really, really enjoyed learning a little bit more about the science behind all the poisons in that. And I know we always ask ourselves after every episode, like, would they really have died that quickly? And now we know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's been a ton of great sessions. Um, Greg Walker, who wrote the score for the show and the movie, was here. Um, so that was really cool to see um, a little bit in the inside of his process of taking a clip with no sound and layering sound on. So that was really interesting. Yeah, that was definitely a highlight for me. And we got to hear about um, the Miss Fisher Files travels in Melbourne, which was also really cool. Yeah, so. that was also a big highlight. Yes. Um, so right. should we get into the listener poll? Yeah. All right. Um, so like Mackenzie said, this was uh, sort of a spinoff of the ratings that we do every episode in our um, podcast. So um, we chose some highlights from the entire series and got everyone's input on it. So let's get into it. Yeah. So and thank you to everyone who filled it out. Um, we had over 100 responses, and we really loved watching the answers roll in. Um, and some of them are really surprising. So. so our first question was, best Franny outfit from all three seasons, or maybe costume uh, is a more accurate way to call it. Uh, so option one was the Cleopatra costume from Murder in the Dark from season one. Also, for the audience, feel free to cheer for the ones that you like. <laughs> so the louder the better. <laughs> so option two was the fan dance costume from Murder Most Scandalous, which, I mean, everyone already knows how much I liked that costume. <laughs> <laughs> it did make an appearance in the masquerade. <laughs> Quick aside, I am missing one fan, so if anyone's seen it, 
you know where it goes. Um, so then option three was the lethal dress from Murder All Mode. <laughs> All right, a popular one with the audience here at Miss FisherCon. Also, a very delicious signature cocktail at Miss FisherCon. Yeah, so. I had a couple of those. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the all black everything outfit which we have raisins and almonds is i think maybe like the first appearance that it makes but the black beret all black i'm breaking into someplace outfit that appears frequently a personal favorite of mine <laughs> yeah um and then the black satin kimono with the birds embroidered on the back which is makes an appearance throughout <laughs> I think we've read that in interviews with Essie that that's her personal favorite costume. Mm -hmm. So we saw a few nods to this in the costumes at Con as well. So yeah, definitely fan favorite as well. And so the results. Oh, shocking! <laughs> <laughs> it's the black silk kimono. <laughs> Yeah, you guys were big fans of the kimono, and the fan dance took second place, so. This is statistically significant results, too. We did a lot of careful digging into the data on these responses. This is not just, you know, the Google Forms graph. This is the result of a lot of hours of analysis. So. We are scientists. We're not, actually. I took one statistics course. <laughs> Pass, fail. <laughs> And also we had um, write-in options, I forgot to say this, but um, for the outfits, there was a lot of write-in options so, because Franny has a great wardrobe, so. Um, next up is Best Miss Fisher Skill of the Week. Um, <laughs> so every week in the podcast, we pick her new random skill that she exhibits in the episode. Um, so we've highlighted a few so of those. There are so many. Yeah. <laughs> She's a very skilled lady. Some skills more believable than others, but we love all of them. So um, for our poll, we selected the Green Mill Murder. She can fly airplanes, too. <laughs> Fans of this, yeah. And in the session about the Hispano Suiza, we learned that there was a real-life lady who was flying airplanes and driving Hispano Suiza back in the day. So, so I guess this one isn't as unrealistic as exactly. we maybe thought it was. <laughs> um, the next option is from Blood of Juan of the Mad, lightning fast safe cracking. Um, you <laughs> it was very fast. Yeah, there was police officers in the room. You know, doctors. Like 15 seconds. And she just gets up there and is like, no, 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 I got this. Um, the next option was from Death of the Grand. Um, her poker face beats a world class poker player. Just, you know, no problem. <laughs> He's all been there. Her, her father's dead. Yeah, I mean, that's a skill personally I exhibit all the time. <laughs> um, also from season one, episode nine, Queen of the Flowers. Um, <laughs> Miss Fisher knows judo. Of course she does. <laughs> Although we don't think that the the dagger in the garter is not probably an official judo move. Yeah, but it's good to be prepared, you know. Yeah, I think that's the lesson. I, and I think we can all agree that this was a more useful skill that she was teaching to the flower maidens than whatever else sure. they were learning. <laughs> <Being armed. laughs> um, and finally, we had from Death Defying Feats, Escape a la Houdini. She is in that tank, yeah. <laughs> Made even more impressive by the fact that she had to do it with a hairpin, I think. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and was underwater for something like four minutes. They're timing her, and it just, it's incredible. Do we have any doctors in the room? Is that real? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, without further ado, the winner was... She can fly airplanes. <laughs> However, the judo was, you know, pretty high up there in terms of skills and also very probably more day-to-day -day practicality than flying the airplane. Yeah. And do we have any write-ins? Oh, we did have a write-in. Um, someone highlighted her shooting skills, which she exhibits in many episodes, but we did not select for the poll. So yeah. that's kind of it comes right off the bat. So we didn't I think we just we just folded it into the, the persona of Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so our next question was best non-Jack love interest. A controversial question. Yeah. In the we, <laughs> there were a lot of write-ins for this one, and not, not all of them were pleased to be having to choose someone who wasn't Jack. Um, so for this one, our options were 
Lin Chung from, he first appeared in Ruddy Gore. <laughs> yes. But I believe he was the only love interest to span multiple episodes. Um, and from Death Comes Knocking, Psychic's Assistant, Warwick Hamilton. <laughs> All right. I liked him too, yeah. Mackenzie Mac likes him because he is seen shirtless in the episode. I am not. As You're acting like that's so weird. <laughs> he looks good. I mean, come on. Um, so then the next option was Eric Voigt a grape-stomping winery owner from Death on the Vine. Also a con- Oh, we're getting booze. Ooh, ooh. We warned you that it was controversial. <laughs> and there's also controversy, it seems, about whether or not sex was had in the vat. And I know what Jennifer thinks. <laughs> All I know is what I heard, which is that she pressed it with her feet, mainly which means other things were pressing those grains. <laughs> I, I think we can draw our own conclusions from that. <laughs> Do we ever see that costume again? Because that would be definitive proof. It was too I stained. Yeah, I, she couldn't wear it after that. <laughs> Write to us if you know the answer. <laughs> um, and then we also had Lyle Compton from Murder and the Maiden. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> All right, this crowd is not like a man in uniform, I guess, Ooh. unless it's a three-piece suit. Um, well, you know, I really think, I feel like we had to have these, these other love interests to keep us going, in, because it was three seasons with one kiss. I mean, we needed to spice things up a little bit in between, but <laughs> controversial opinion. Um, and then our last option was Guido, have you eaten yet, Lupinacci? <laughs> Murder and mozzarella. <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> okay, I guess we all have right. our write-in contingent yeah, over here. It seems like we know where those write-in votes for Vic came from. <laughs> Samson. Samson. Okay. Okay. So yes, a word on Samson. I'm upset that he wasn't a true love interest. Also, we never get to see him without his shirt on. I know, right? I mean, he was a the circus strongman. I think we could have gotten a little bit of his routine, maybe a singlet. I. Yeah, even if he was still wearing the singlet. I'm not still shirtless. upset about it. I know, me too. <laughs> so, the winner of the poll by a huge landslide, we didn't have the same amount of consensus on any other question, was Lean Chung. So, <laughs> the people have spoken. And then, second up was Lyle Compton, I think. Yeah, despite the booze that we just heard. Yeah, <laughs> so some people online. <laughs> Um, and we had a few pretty funny write-in responses. Obviously, Vic has a, has a fan base. Um, yeah, we, but there are some other... Well, we received four votes for Vic, which is almost like enough to make it onto the graph. <laughs> so Just on its own. Um, we had several votes for no one. Yes. <laughs> also a popular write-in response. <laughs> Um, and then we had, a, we had a vote just to reiterate that no sex was had in the vat of grapes. Yes. Um, I think I know who that came from. There you are. <laughs> yeah, see, it looks like Colin first, says someone in the audience, which I agree. I, like I mean, him. he owns a winery? It just seems yeah. like, I don't know. I'd go out with him. <laughs> um, and then we had a vote for the guard or the, the actor playing the guard from Framed for Murder, who didn't have, didn't have a lot of lines, but, but had, a, had a, a good butt grab in there. <laughs> it was in there. It's in the show. Um, we had one vote for Dr. Mac. It could have been. I don't know. Yeah, not really delved into in the show, but I believe delved into a little bit in fan fiction. So definitely in the fan fiction. <laughs> um, and we had a vote also for Phryne's hand, which <laughs> I think science we're just reporting. On we might have. We could have probably looped, uh, lumped that in with no one. So, but I, I don't. No votes for the percussor. Yeah, I. <laughs> 
yeah, maybe she learned her lesson about the percussor. I don't know. <laughs> also, we saw a photo of a vintage percussor um, earlier in Atmos Fisher Con in the Death and Hysteria session, and frankly, <laughs> we've come a long way. <laughs> I don't know, yeah, I don't know if I want that, anything that looks like that. It, There's a lot of no like knobs on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I'm a hard pass on that. Also plugged in. <laughs> um, so that was it for that question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, before we reveal the rest of the uh, listener poll questions, we have a couple of rounds of Miss Fisher trivia. It is lightning round. We suspect that most of you will probably know the answers to our questions. Although Mackenzie has her doubts. I think that they're I think they're difficult enough, but you guys can prove me wrong. Um, so we'll need two volunteers from the audience. And before the before before we get volunteers, I just want to let you know that there are prizes. So for the winner, we have a every lady needs a hobby tote bag, featuring our logo, plus the glory and um, eternal fame of winning Miss. Miss Fisher trivia and Miss Fisher Con 2019. Yeah, um, and there is there's also a mug which, uh, due to inexplicable shipping difficulties, has not yet arrived at the hotel, but we will get it to you. Yeah. <laughs> so two volunteers from the audience who wants to participate. If you think you know your stuff, don't all volunteer at once. <laughs> you won't be up there by yourself. Yeah, it's we need two people. Two people. All right, someone's being volunteered in the back. Oh, okay, we got somebody in the okay. back. Please come up. Come up. <laughs> All right. All right. Yep. All right, so please proceed to the microphone. <laughs> well, so we don't have a buzzer. Unfortunately, there's no buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> but Excellent question. The way it will work is we will ask the question and put it up on the board and if you know it just raise your hand and I'll be judging who raises their hand first and then you get to answer if you're wrong the other person has a chance to steal and whoever gets the most answers right is the winner so it's pretty simple um, and there's gonna be six questions per round so you have a limited number of questions to prove your knowledge How many rounds are just, just two, two. Just, just two, two. but and we're gonna get we're gonna get two fresh volunteers for round two so don't worry <laughs> It'll all be over soon. Wow. wow. <laughs> it should be mostly painless. Mostly. <laughs> okay, so is everyone clear on the rules? You gotta raise your hand before you can answer. And audience, no shouting of answers. Yeah. <laughs> because that would defeat the purpose of the game, yes? And the glory <laughs> that is at stake. All right, are you ready? Say yes. yes. <laughs> oh, oh, first of all, actually, would you mind introducing yourselves? Oh, yeah. Say your names into the mic, please. So this is Janine, and I was voluntold to stand up here. <laughs> oh. uh, I'm Robin, and I just like volunteering for things when nobody does it. So great, we need people like you. Every lady needs a hobby where fun is mandatory. <laughs> All right, so first question. A chemical formula is encoded in a secret message in season one, episode five, Raisins and Almonds. What is the right. formula for? Janine. Artificial rubber. Correct. Point one. <laughs> All right, one point for Janine. Question two. Name one of the actors who plays communist cabbies, Bert and Seth. And Oops, no bonus points for naming both. No, no okay, bonus okay, points sorry. for naming both. I was I spoke incorrectly. Who was first? Janine was. So that would be the guess of our very first yeah. <laughs> Anthony J. Sharp and Travis McMahon. <laughs> I feel like we should give an extra point for the middle I feel initial. Like I shouldn't but. even be up here. <laughs> like, I don't work at this con. <laughs> you got this. All right. You gotta just Raise the hand. It's like, yeah, just <laughs> permanently raise, no. So, question three. What is the name of the film that Franny's friend Raymond is making in season two, episode nine, Framed for Murder? You have a shot at this, because this is my least favorite 
Very close together in this episode. Okay, so we have a, a volunteer for an answer here. Well, all right. the time to volunteer was three questions ago, but you're, you can be it's, it's all right. For the next round of trivia, Bride of Babylon, point to the audience. All right, point to the audience. All right, next question. In season one, episode 12, Murder in the Dark, what does Cousin Guy's fiance Isabella dress up as for the engagement party? There is two answers. I think, is that a hand? Yes, go for it. Uh, we'll give it to you. Yeah. That is. It, yes. <laughs> it was also a very lady We'll give it to you. I just remembered the leaves. I mean,. I mean, it was hard to look at anything else. <laughs> All right. I think, is this the final question? Um, what is the top speed of the Hispano Suiza? Who was first on that? Yeah. Ron. 85 miles per hour? Yes. Correct. <laughs> but I think we can do better than that. <laughs> um, all right. What is that? I think, is there one more? Right, yes, yes one more. Is. I, I can count. You saw my graphs. Um, all right, what is the full name and title of Franny's father? All right, Janine. <laughs> so his full name is Henry George Fisher. Title. We need the title. Oh, Robin. Lord Baron. Lord Baron of All right. So I don't know. It seems like it seems like a tie. That was a teamwork effort. It was a teamwork tie. All right. Well, we we do have a tiebreaker. Oh yeah. So <laughs> before we start round two, let me just pull up our tiebreaker question. I have um, it. Okay. What is the name and top speed of the airplane Franny buys in the Green Mill murder? You don't have to get both to win. Okay, we'll do closest to, to knock without going over for the top speed. Robin? What? Just guess a number. <laughs> what is incorrect? <laughs> <laughs> ah, the usual thing in Jeopardy. Uh, 213. Janine? Uh, 175. All right, well, you both went over. It is 130. <laughs> <laughs> but can anyone name the airplane? What kind of plane was it? Oh, point to the audience. I think the audience technically won this round. <laughs> Um, well, it is the Tiger Moth. Janine was closer to the top speed, okay. so I think we have to... She did go over. We said not going over. We did not oh, prepare for this eventuality. I, 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 I'm delighted we have a new fan and a new... Yes! Woo! ...that was brave enough to come up here. All right. All right. Come see us after for the prize. All right. All right. So, so we had a lot of... Um, audience attempted participation in that so i think maybe we can get another couple of volunteers up here for round two or, okay <laughs> Ooh, we had some fast hands from the miss fisher okay. file <laughs> cross podcast participation <laughs> yeah come on up come on up to the mic <laughs> face off mary you're going down <laughs> uh-oh We have some stretching going on. A little bit of a warm-up. All right, all right. Lunges. <laughs> lunges. Is that yeah. going to help? It's warming up the brain and the body. <laughs> all right. All right. Do Are you, you ready? Names? Okay. All right, round two. Question one. Are you going to put it up? Oh, sorry. You have the... I'm still in control. It's a lot of pressure. Okay. 
In what? Oh, Mary has it. The question is, in what episode of the show does the Hispano Suiza first make an appearance? Mary? Uh, that would be number two, Murder on the Ballarat Train. This isn't fair. I made her do flashcards last night for the episodes. <laughs> All right, question two. In Murder and Mozzarella, what does Mariana say Nana Luisa sent her out to buy because she had run out of it in the kitchen? All right, Mary again. Butter. Correct. All right, next question. Name the traveling show from season three, episode one, Death Defying Feats, in which Franny must escape from a tank of water while filling in for magician's murdered assistant. Hmm. We've stumped them. You really don't know this? No. Oh, man. I do know this. It's way right. here, though. Okay. <laughs> dig deep. Dig yeah. deep. Get audience steal? Anyone in the audience? All right, yell it out. Mackenzie something something. Yes. All right. Point for the audience. The Cavalcade of Mysteries is the answer for, I don't know if that's going to get picked up on the recording. I think All right. Our podcast. What does Dot find in the bedside drawer? Oh. What's up? At the hotel. Jojo? Is it a snake? Yes. It's a snake. But what kind? I think we can. I think we can give it to her. All right, we'll, we'll give you the point. It is a carpet python that she finds in the drawer at the hotel. And it's not a trouser trouser snake. <laughs> All right. Next, in Ruddy Gore, what method is used by the murderer to fake the appearance of the ghost of dead actress Dorothea? Uh, Mary. Okay, it's the sand coming down and projection. A hologram. Correct. Yes, correct. But next year, I'd like to see a session where someone attempts to recreate this. So. <laughs> Final question for all the glory. What is the only food that Beatrice will eat in season two, episode eight, The Blood of One of the Mad? Mary. It is jam sandwiches. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Mary, you should start a podcast. <laughs> thanks to our thank thanks to our volunteers. The winner is Mary. <laughs> come see us after for your prize. <laughs> the glory has already come. All right. <laughs> thanks everyone for demonstrating your prowess at Miss Fisher trivia skills. <laughs> All right. Next so, up, back we, to the listener poll. We return to the listener poll after that brief break trivia break all right most epic murder method there were some doozies <laughs> yeah <laughs> um first option was death by misadventure crushed by a factory machine this is a really epically gruesome murder probably the most gruesome in the series Who can forget the legs going um, the machine. <laughs> <laughs> it's burned into my memory forever oh. <laughs> Next up, if you listen to the podcast, you know this is a favorite of ours from Game Set and Murder, planting a poisonous spider in your victim's shoe. <laughs> a crime worthy of a Bond villain. I have a lot of questions about the likelihood of just crushing the spider when you put your foot into the shoe. But what if worked. the spider just scuttles I mean, off and fails to bite the victim? I, well, that didn't happen. It resulted in murder, so. Um, <laughs> it always results in murder. It's always murder. <laughs> Next up, the grief from the Green Mill murder, uh, the death by cornet, which <laughs> <laughs> we have our doubts about how, how um, logistically possible that is. We did. We asked our our expert George Walker, the podcast guest, if he thought it was feasible, um, and I believe the answer was perhaps Probably not. not. <laughs> Um, next up from Death and Hysteria, electrocuted by a vibrator. What a way to go. That's everyone's worst fear. Is it? <laughs> Wait, it just, is that just me? <laughs> yeah. Proceed with caution, ladies. Um, and then final option from Death to Us Part, hang on to your visine, it's death by eye drops. <laughs> Although I think we, we have to admit that you may not have even noticed that this was the murder method in this episode because it was very difficult to focus on anything except for that thick, juicy sexual tension. 
Um, all right, and the winner is um, by a pretty big margin, Death by Vibrator. <laughs> Followed up by the poisonous spider. Do we have any write-ins for this? Uh-huh. I don't think we had any. Yeah, I actually think everyone is pretty much on the same page about this one. Um, all right, so our next question, our final question was- No, it's not our final question. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> Once again, I excel at counting. Um, the best frack moment, and there were so many, we had a really hard time narrowing it down. Um, Lots of write-ins for this one, too. Yeah. <laughs> but the options were, from season one, episode seven, Murder in Montparnasse, the kiss that launched a thousand fanfics, um, or as I like to call it, a humongous false start. <laughs> <laughs> really thought we were going that somewhere when I first watched the show, but so did I. Took a while. <laughs> Took a while. Um, from season one, episode 12, Murder in the Dark, if you really want a Roman soldier. We do, Jack, we do. We did. <laughs> um, in season two, episode 12, Unnatural Habits, Jack leaves Rosie behind and stops by for a late night visit to let Miss Fisher know that he doesn't always do the right thing. <laughs> was, that, was that the baby I heard crying? No, no. Get out of here, Aunt Pete. <laughs> Those two people about to kiss. That's what you heard. Um, and season three, episode one, my personal favorite moment and episode, um, death-defying feats. Jack hits the nerve tonic a little too hard and makes his big speech. He's a liberal-minded man. <laughs> and then finally, from season three, episode eight, Finally. <laughs> the romantic overture that we had all been waiting for, for a really long time. <laughs> when I first watched Miss Fisher's Got to the Last Episode, I just kept watching the like counter go down, and I'm like, there's not enough time left for this to happen. <laughs> We're running out of time. When, when is this going to happen? I think we may have all had this yeah. experience. <laughs> um, and the winner was... Mm -hmm. Death do us part, the romantic overture. Although not as big of a landslide as some of our other victories, which goes to show there is a lot of sexual tension in this show and a yeah. lot of great frack moments. Yeah, and we did have uh, a number of write-ins for this one, so let's just read a few of those. Um, so the morning after the nerve tonic was a submission. Who put me in pajamas? <laughs> Mr. Butler, of course. <laughs> Um, let's misbehave. Yeah. I just have so many questions about how they could not have just gotten it on after singing that. That's, I'm just saying. Um, and then in season three, episode four, Jack checking Franny's ruined scarf and touching the cut on her neck. <laughs> Several write-ins for that. Yeah, that was a popular moment. Um, Franny reading Jack's palm. Mm-hmm. And then Franny putting Jack's tie back on, also from a natural habit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For those of you listening, members of the audience are fanning themselves. <laughs> um, and then we also asked Greg what his favorite moment was. And um, he also he chose one of our options, which was Jack not always doing the right thing, so. You could, you could cut the sexual tension in that scene with a knife. With a knife, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was it for our listener. Oops, no. Of course, I'm doing it again. We have <laughs> our final If you listen to our podcast, you know that I always get all the details of the murder wrong, and Genevieve puts me back on track, so. <laughs> you know, one of us has to Guilty. You know, keep on top of things. All right, so next up, is best spin-off idea, which we had a ton of fun with, and um, we have a lot of spin-off ideas that, um, you know, are obviously all going to come to pass. Um, so our options for this, we, had, we have a lot more ideas um, than this, but, so we had Dr. Max Medical Mysteries. Uh, yeah. More Dr. Mac, please. You can never have too much Dr. No. Mac. Um, we also have Miss Fisher in space. <laughs> I 
she can fly off. planes. She can fly rockets. Yeah, she's also Probably. an astronaut. <laughs> Obviously. She would be a great astronaut. I know. She has so many skills already. Miss Fisher to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then next up, Bert and Sess comedy hour. <laughs> because laughing ain't a crime. Um, also, Dot undercover. She's the only woman for the job. Serving tea, solving mysteries. Yeah. Um, and then finally, if you listen to the podcast, we make a lot of Harry Potter references for what is not a Harry Potter podcast. So we obviously need um, the mashup we've all been waiting for, Harry Potter and the Lady Detective. <laughs> I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out she could do magic. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's the next... <laughs> And she probably went to Hogwarts, they just haven't covered it in the show. (laughs) It's almost magical how she seems to find a clue in every Mm wastebasket, so. (laughs) All right, but the winner, and I think also crowd favorite here, is Dr. Max Medical Mysteries! Also a pretty big margin of victory, 47.1%. So almost almost half, not quite. There's still some other popular ones like Dot Undercover Agent. Um, we also had some listener submissions. So Jane starring as the Artful Dodger in a series based on Charles Dickens books. So um, also Fisher Robinson Paranormal Investigations, which would be a turn, but I'd watch it. <laughs> Um, a spinoff where Jane grows up and becomes a detective. Um, and Dr. Mac as, as an old woman looking back on what it was like to be an early female doctor with flashbacks to her original story and her getting to know Phryne. I would also watch that. I'd watch all of these. That one, that one has the distinction of sounding like an actual show. Yeah. <laughs> the, the person who, who submitted that, I don't know if you're here, but a lot of thought went into it and it actually sounds like well, legit. I'd you watch know. it. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely watch it. All right. So that concludes our listener that poll. That really was our last <laughs> poll question. And thank you again to everyone who filled out the poll. Please send us more spinoff ideas on social media. We love them. <laughs> um, we're we're ready to start filming. Just send yeah. us the money. <laughs> um, all right. So that is it for that. And next up, we have, um, we're joined by Lynn Reed. I'm just going to do a little bit of shuffling. Just a brief reshuffling here. Take the tone down by talking about the business of the film business <laughs> instead of all this fun stuff we've just been talking about. Don't worry, we'll still make dumb jokes. <laughs> it is our specialty. <laughs> we've paid members of the audience to laugh, so okay, it, it should go fine. <laughs> all right, so... Sorry, just going to finish adjusting. They're taking away my mic privileges. (laughs) So joining us now is Lynn Reed, who's associate producer for Miss Fisher and the Crypt of Tears. Um, She's also an experienced indie film producer. Um, You can watch one of her films on Netflix right now, um, A Sort of Homecoming. I hope I got that right. That is right. Okay, great. Check it out, please. And Lynn is joining us to answer some questions we and probably many of you have about the process of indie film production and um, any details she can share about the Miss Fisher movie. So thank you, Lynn. Well, thank you for having me. Certainly. Um, So first question, you're an American, not Australian. What? (laughs) (laughs) And um, you were not part of the television series, so how did you get involved with the movie? Well, like many of you, I uh, found the series on Netflix and fell in love with the show. I've always loved this genre and thought it was an excellent execution of this genre. And not long after that, when the Kickstarter came along, uh, because I was an indie producer myself, I figured that if they're going this route on the Kickstarter, there's probably some other kinds of money that need gathering as well. Um, And I got in touch with Every Cloud, and we developed a relationship. And over time, um, I was able to raise some money, other money for them, uh, particularly out of the American fan base. Yeah, that's awesome. We're really glad that you did that because (laughs) the movie's happening. Um, next question, so we're all wanting to know this, what's happening with The Crypt of Tears right now? Is post-production done? What's next? Where are we at? Yes, yeah, so post-production is complete. 
And the film is with uh, the various folks involved in the distribution process of the film. So uh, this is going to be a little bit technical, but just bear with me here. So in Australia and New Zealand, there is a distributor by the name of Roadshow, who are the, they are the theatrical distributor, and they put it into films, into theaters in Australia and New Zealand. For the rest of the world, there's another company in between. There's some, something called a sales agent, and they pick up the rights to the film in everywhere but Australia and New Zealand, mm -hmm. and then they in turn sell that territory by territory to other companies to distribute territory by territory. Can you tell a joke about that? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I cannot tell a joke about that. <laughs> Could we get the maybe the names and addresses of some of the people who currently have the film in their possession right now? I promise just to send them cards and thank you notes, um, not because I want to break in and steal it. <laughs> so that's a no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. For people listening at home, that's a no. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so next question. There is news this week about the Australian release date. Um, why does it take so long? <laughs> why is it taking so long for the film to get into theaters? So the distributor is looking for the best possible date to put this in theaters because <laughs> they are, believe it or not, trying to reach a larger audience than who's currently in this room at the moment are listening to the podcast. <laughs> so they have to look at things like what other movies are already scheduled, what other movies might be looking to grab a similar demographic of audience. And they have to look at the calendar and make their best guess. And they've got to plan around things like there's a Star Wars movie coming out at the end of this year that no one wants to compete against. I'd go see Miss Fisher over Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, there's strong female characters in Star Wars, so I'd see both. Right. But Miss Fisher first. <laughs> All right, we might not be the overwhelming majority <laughs> of people on that. So but no, but that's, that's, that's the challenge. Yep. That's, the, that's the realistic challenge for the distributor in, mm -hmm. in finding a date. Um, and in terms of a North American release, we know that Acorn is on board. Um, what do you know about their plans for a release in North America? Uh, we don't know many details at all yet about what Acorn is going to do in North America. They have announced that they're going to do a limited theatrical release. That's a fairly standard technical term in the industry. It can sometimes mean you just go into theaters in New York and Los Angeles. But we don't know, I don't, I don't think Acorn knows yet what that's going to look like. So how many of you in this room are Acorn subscribers? Look at that. <laughs> we need... That was a lot of people. That's a lot of people. The listeners who that's a lot of people. So Acorn subscribers, it is entirely appropriate for you to get in touch with Acorn, let them know that you're subscribers, and do two things for us. Let us know that you want more of Miss Fisher's modern murder mysteries and let Acorn know that you really, really want to see this movie in a theater. Because we have a window of time while Acorn is making plans where hearing from subscribers could make a difference. Yeah, how do we, how do we get in touch with Acorn? Uh, I do not have that off the top of my head, but we'll get that to you. Great. Yes. No. <laughs> um, all right, so that's North America, but what about the rest of the world? So, as I mentioned, there's an international sales agent who is, has been all along and, and is now talking to distributors in the UK, in France, all over Europe, all over the rest of the world, and attempting to make the best possible deals that they can make to get this into theaters and on television and on streaming services everywhere around the world. We don't know when we're going to get those announcements, but I want to just reassure you all that the, the conversations are happening. And a lot of work, a lot of months, a lot of contract writing goes into the process before an announcement is going to hit the press. 
So there's a lot of we don't know yet in your, in your answers, including that one. Yeah. Um, what is it about independent film that makes this path to distribution and release so different than for a big studio film? Money. 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 Of course. No. I mean, this is this is a business, right? And that's why I'm bringing the tone down in the room, right? No, this, you know, this, this is a business, and independent film is a, is a very uh, difficult business right now because, you know, thousands and thousands of films are being made and fighting for a window of time in theaters. Um, we're lucky with this film, we're very lucky in Australia to have Screen Australia and Film Victoria and, and uh, organizations like that that support Australian film. Um, we don't have anything like that in the US. You know, there's nothing like that that I can tap into <laughs> as an independent producer in the United States that allows, uh, you know, that, that really creates some advantages for Australian film. But, you know, there's only so many weekends in the year, and Marvel and Disney and Star Wars and, you know, right? I mean, so there's only so many times, uh, you know, available on the calendar for, for independent film. But again, that's why it is so important for us to support this film when it hits the theaters and bring new fans into we have a message from we have a message of how to reach acorn all right um but that's why it's so important for all of us to support this film when it comes out however it comes out um and to bring new people to miss fisher as deb and fiona mentioned in their in their video because we want this to be the biggest success it can possibly be so it sounds like we all need to go see the film many, 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 many times and dedicate every, you know, spare moment when it comes out. Um, we do have the, the contact info for Acorn. Um, Acorn Direct, um, their email is customerservice at acornonline.com. Okay, so anything else, Lynn, that you'd like to share? I, uh, I will attempt to take a few questions, but I think that's probably it. All right, yeah, thank you so much. So um, we will take a few audience questions. Um, just a little note, obviously a lot of what Lynn has said has been, we don't know yet. So if you're asking questions that are going to be like, oh yeah, we don't know yet, just, you know, you know that's the answer, so. <laughs> so think about questions that are a little more general about indie film production and release. And not like what happens in the movie, yeah, which I cannot tell you. You're not going to get an answer. <laughs> she's not, she's not gonna tell. And then one other note: if you don't mind just walking up to the mic, because we are recording it, so we just want to get your question on the recording. Thank you. So maybe if you have a question, if you don't, you can just come up and, and line up to ask it. Um. Yeah. Hi, Lynn. Um, my question is about film festivals, because mm -hmm. um, I know how important that is for independent films. Are there any talks or anything you can share about uh, the film making it on any of the festivals? There's nothing I can say specifically about this film and film festivals. Um, what I can say in general is, uh, is basically just to confirm what you just said, that yes, it, it can be a, a very important route uh, for films, particularly films that are not quite as far along in the distribution process um, as, as we are. Um, but also that the most prestigious film festivals tend to take a different kind of film than we are. Thank you. Yeah. Hello. If this movie does well in Australia and New Zealand, better than people might think it would because it is so popular, would that affect how it's distributed here? Does that market affect the American market? Uh, it, it is possible, yes. There are certainly uh, examples of Australian films doing better than expected um, and that helping distribution chances around the world. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Hi, Hi, thank you. Hi, thanks for coming. Um, I don't think we've seen a trailer yet for the movie. Do you know when one would be available? I cannot release that information. <laughs> it was a very helpful question, though. I love it. All right. Just had to ask. <laughs> um, 
First of all, I want to uh, tell people who have not watched the Miss Fisher Modern Mystery, it's really, really good. So if you haven't watched it, please do. Um, it's very different. It's very different from Miss Fisher, of course, but they are independently good. So you know, don't miss that opportunity. And so it, my question is kind of related to that. You were mentioned that you want us to tell Acorn those two things. Are they somehow related in some way? Like, is Acorn thinking that we, if they back one, they have to do the other? How well, Acorn has the uh, North American rights, as you know, to Miss Fisher's modern mysteries. Um, there's certainly an, an interest, as you heard from Deb and Fiona's video, in making more. Um, and so if, uh, if you guys can contact Acorn about that, it increases the chances. Also, we've been reviewing Miss Fisher's Modern on the podcast, and we agree it's pretty great. Any other questions for Lynn or for us? We're less interesting, but <laughs> we're up here, so. But, but more entertaining. <laughs> we're more likely to say something about a vibrator. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let me just say, since we have a second, let me just, you know, De Deb and Fiona thanked you guys on the video. Let me just add my thanks and, and reinforce their thanks, because I know that there are many, many crowdfunding contributors in this room, and we would not have made this film without you. That is the truth. So thank you all here, and, and you know, just that's, you know, that's from everyone involved in the film. Thank you all. Thank you so much, Lynn. We also, we talked about the Australian release date news, but we didn't say when it was. February of 2020. All right, that wraps us up. So thank you everyone for coming to Miss FisherCon and for coming to Every Lady Needs a Hobby live show. And if you want to find our podcast, um, we're on iTunes, everyladyneedsahobby.com, wherever else you get your podcasts. I listen on Podcast Addict, which is kind of random, but it's on there. All right, that's it. Thanks. <laughs>